Welcome, and thank you for listening today. This Caregiver Life podcast focuses on caregivers from all walks of life. Throughout the episode, we will hear from caregivers on the front line, those who do the day-to-day, sometimes hour-to-hour caregiving. We will also hear from care recipients, professionals in the field of caregiving, and other various topics of interest to those living this caregiver life. Marjorie. Hi, Mary. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. We're waiting for Jen. Hi, Jen. Hi, Mayor. Marjorie's here. Hello, Marjorie. Hi, Jennifer. I'm so excited that we're all together on this uh, milestone podcast. Yeah. Why is it a milestone? This is a 10th episode of This Caregiver Life. Yay! Awesome! Ten is big. I can't believe we even did ten already. Can you remember when you were a kid and you turned ten and it was just the world? I know. You're in double digits. That's us. Double digits. Double digits. You never go back to single digits. So we have Marjorie Pennington with us today. Thanks for joining us, Marjorie. This is so exciting. I loved reading your book. We invited Marjorie into our podcast today because Marjorie recently released her book, Bringing the War Home, The Life of a Military Caregiver. And I basically couldn't stop reading it. Is that what you're hearing about your book? Yes. And, you know, thank you so much for having me. I feel honored (laughs) to be here. It was quite exciting. (laughs) Well, that's cool. Um, you have really good numbers in terms. Have you? Do you look to see where you know how many copies have been downloaded or sold? Yes. Uh, so far, there have been over two hundred, um, which is really exciting. <laughs> um, I actually uh, received in um, a very sweet note um, from another uh, military caregiver, and she was very touched by my. Really, it set um, in my heart. It made me feel just really good that somebody really was able to take away something from it. Mm. So it was really nice. I completely understand that. When, um, when I published Friends for Life with my friend Patty Donahue, um, we got such heartfelt reviews. And they weren't from the people that we thought they would be from. We thought that it would be other caregivers, other wives, other sisters, other mothers. But instead, we got reviews from people who didn't know anything about military caregiving. They didn't know anything about um, having a loved one that was deployed in, to war. And um, that, that really meant a lot to us. Um, Mare, when you published your books, what kind of feedback did you get that was helpful to you as an author? So I read a book, um, Gosh, a long time ago, Letters Home, when my son was serving in the invasion in 2003. And um, I got such interesting feedback. I got feedback. So it wasn't a caregiver book. You know, it was really what war was like for us. And then I included Sean's letters to us home because that was the only way we communicated back then. And I got letters from people who had loved ones in World War II and in the Korean War and the Vietnam War, and it was like they were reading their own letters. It was really very touching. And in fact, I just got an email this morning from somebody who read Letters Home not too long ago. And I think 
that's what made me think of um, commenting with you, Marjorie, about, you know, what a great read it was that I sat down and I read it because she said the same thing to me. She started reading it, thought she would read a little bit of it um, on Sunday and then sat down and read the whole book. And then, then you feel good, don't you? Yes, yes. It's very uplifting. I have to say that I, I think some of that is the content. Um, less than 1% of our country serves. So there's a very small population of us that are familiar with military life and having someone deployed and Friends for Life, Strangers Brought Together by the War in Iraq, which was the book I wrote with Patty, um, was the same way as Mary's book. Um, a lot of people read it and said, I was, I was going to take it with me on vacation, but I, I read it um, in two hours straight one day. And um, that was just wow. so, so special to me. But I realize now, the longer that I've worked in the veteran and caregiver space, that we really are just such a minority in, in this country. And that other Americans are thirsty for knowledge. Um, Marjorie, I'm just wondering, what do you think the biggest takeaway is from your book for someone who's listening and hasn't read it yet? I think the biggest takeaway is that you can go through a lot of trials and tribulations. However, as you're going through them, you're learning, you're having new experiences, but at the end, you're able to see that you made it so far and you can continue to make it. There's not a line that ends. You can continue to move on, even with all the trauma that may follow. Oh, that's such an, that's such a great point because, you know, your caregiving journey is thankfully not over yet and, um, you will have more, you, you'll, you don't even know what those challenges will be right now. Right. So you'll have more going forward. And, um, so one of the other things about Marjorie's book that I really love is that you speak so well to caregiving in general, caregiving about caregiving your mom and your dad. And so non-military caregiving and military veteran caregiving, you really, you really sort of straddle both of those and you did such a remarkable job. What was your, um, what was the main place where you gained your strength from during some of your most difficult times as a caregiver? It would be my faith. Uh, my faith has been the biggest thing in my life. Um, it's the one thing that I know that I have, the one place where I feel trusted. I mean, even though I do have my times where I question my faith. However, that is what's brought me through, reading the Bible, having scriptures, um, knowing that I have something to believe in and I have faith and I have faith that things are going to change. Well, that's beautiful. Do you um, have an active church family that you're involved with? Yes, we actually have quite the unique church. Um, we attend online through um, New Church Live. They're actually located in Brinth, Athens, uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, we met them in 2011. My husband went down to speak at their church. And my husband gained a relationship with them. I got to know them. I started watching church online and I, we just became a family. So no matter where we are, um, we're able to attend church and they're non-judgmental, which mm. is something I can really enjoy because I don't feel judged. Um, I can be myself. Um, 
they literally have made us a family or part of their family, I should say. (laughs) We've talked about faith in other episodes and it's something that at times you can get away from a faith family, but if you maintain your faith within yourself, it's not necessary to have a congregation, but what a unique way to have um, support and use technology to access that support. I I think that's just amazing. And what a wonderful solution for caregivers and veterans who cannot get out of their home or even anybody that is homebound because of an illness or an injury. This is just fantastic. Absolutely. So, so, you know, when you're online with, um, you know, during one of the services, how, how else do you connect with um, your congregants in the, in your church? So, uh, Pastor Chuck allows us to text. He'll put up a text number so we can actually interact um, with the service. Uh, He'll ask certain questions sometimes, depending on what he's speaking about, and we're able to answer and put our input in there. And there's also a chat room that they have that we're able to chat with other members who are across the U.S. or even out of the country. Um, So, they have different pieces of technology Uh, Facebook is another one. We're able to interact through Facebook. Oh, I love that. That's really great. I I like that too. I'm in agreement with Jennifer on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there have been times in my life where there were, I mean, the possibility of leaving home for half a day on Sunday just wasn't there. And not even when we were traveling and, and just like you, Marjorie, I've been in medical facilities with my brother for months at a time and not had the energy or the time to start a new um, relationship with a church only, you know, to know that it's going to be short term. I didn't have the time or energy to invest in that. So I actually think this is a wonderful solution. I'm wondering um, how many of our listeners may in fact consume faith in this way or their faith support. Absolutely. I mean, it's been a blessing to us because just like what you said, you know, we don't have that time to be able to go to church every Sunday. And there are times where my husband may not want to leave the house and we're able to just log into newchurchlive.com and attend service and not feel any pressure and enjoy the pastor and uh, whatever he's uh, preaching about that day. Wow. Well, I, I really love that because we can use technology in so many ways today and to be able to use this to, um, you know, to further explore your faith and to feel like you're practicing your faith with others is, is such a great opportunity. Um, but I, and I also wanted to ask you another question that has to do with when you found out that Matthew was injured. So we'll kind of shift gears a little bit here. I think that's the one piece that a lot of people who, who are not non-military, who are non-military people, um, they don't really know what that's like for us. And you share that in the book as well. Um, but if you could talk a little bit about that, I think that that's interesting for people to hear and what their takeaway is from that in terms of, you know, how you responded to that and how you felt. Who well, um, when I received the call, um, I don't think any of us 
uh, family members, spouses. We know that it's in the back of our mind, but we hope that we never receive it. Um, the day the phone rang, uh, my heart sank. I knew it was bad. Um, soon as I got on with um, Captain Murray, and he explained to me that Matthew had been injured by an IED and that um, he had lost his left leg. They weren't certain about the right leg. However, they were very concerned about a head injury and the loss of blood. He had lost six pints of blood and he was very hypoxic. And um, at that moment, I remember just flashes coming at me. Um, I didn't want to lose him. You know, I remember praying and just asking God, please save my husband. If you save my husband, I will change my life. I will change my ways. Mm -hmm. I will be a better person. I will give back more anything just to keep him. I didn't care how he came home as long as he came home alive. And uh, I think for me, it, it was completely life-changing. And I think a lot of um, caregivers and military spouses can agree with this, that your whole life just does a, a 360. Um, I had to give the news to my mother-in-law, oh. which Ooh. was the yeah. hardest thing. Um, hearing oh. her literally a blood-curdling scream come out of her and screaming for her boy and that she wanted him to be okay was very hard for me very hard because that's, you know, her son, her baby. Um, she raised him, watched him grow up and sent him off to war. And uh, that was very heart wrenching and very for real for me. And I needed to be strong for her. And I needed to be strong for my husband. Um, however, I will say this, we had the best chaplain. And he was very good friends with my husband through his deployment. Um, they had a lot of conversations he went and found a satellite phone so Matthew could call me. And that was one of the best moments because even though his voice was really faint and I could hear him, you know, just really, really tired, I was able to hear his voice and know that he was okay at that moment. They were getting ready to uh, send him to Launchstuhl, Germany. Um, but to know that the chaplain would do that for Matthew and myself. So we had that moment just in case we had that moment to just hear each other's voices was wonderful. And my husband's biggest concern, and we kind of joke about it today is he was like, babe, I lost my leg. You know, I just, I lost it. And I, was like, I don't care if you lost your leg. I want you to come home. <laughs> don't worry about that. That's, that's like little pieces that no, don't even just get home whatever you can do. And uh, luckily, uh, once they got into Germany, um, they worked really, really hard to get his body to take in that oxygen. And as soon as he did, he was off to Walter Reed. And that was probably the best news I heard because I knew I was leaving to go see him. Well, what was the duration of time from his, his injury to Walter Reed? Uh, five days. It was May 5th. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Now it was. Seven yes. Adding skills here. It was about seven days, uh, before I was able to see him. It was quite some time, um, in between his injury cause he was injured on April 28th, um, and brought to Walter Reed on the 5th of May. 
So we were kind of in between if I was going to Germany or if I was going to go to D.C. Oh, wow. So you, well, it doesn't seem like much time, but it must have felt like an eternity. It did. It, it was the longest plane ride of my life, too. All I wanted was just to see my husband. Um, that's all I kept thinking about is just as long as I can see him, that, that's everything. And when I did see him, I figured I'd be stronger, <clears throat> but I wasn't. I collapsed. Um, seeing him hooked up to all these machines, um, part of his leg missing, his other leg with all of this metal and uh, screws drove into it, and he was getting uh, blood transfusions. I actually just collapsed on him, and he was the strong one, and he was actually consoling me. Um, but it was a great moment. It was really sad, but it was great at the same time. Sounds kind of weird, um, but I was really just overwhelmed and happy that I was actually had that moment to be with him. Most well, like all your stress came out at that particular time, you know? Yes. A lot. I think great partners also can exhibit strength for their spouse, despite their own pain. Um, and that I've seen that in Tom and Mary, and I've seen that in you and Matthew a number of times. And I just commend you for being in, that much of a commitment with each other because it's quite rare. Absolutely. So one of the things about you brought up, um, you know, sort of like that phone call changes. It was, it was like an abrupt change to your world. And, you know, I think what's so interesting about caregiving, because as we all are, um, Elizabeth, all foundation fellows, uh, we all, our caregivers and we've all shared our journey at various times, not, not just in our own personal lives or maybe on social media or writing about it, but as um, Dole Foundation fellows, we've shared our story. And Jennifer, your, your story wasn't, um, your caregiving journey wasn't abrupt, was it? Well, can you tell us a little bit about um, James because he also was injured over there. Yeah, there are parts of Marjorie's book there are just a number of passages in Marjorie's book that I feel like are about my life. Um, and I don't want to give too much away because it is the kind of book that every listener needs to buy and read. You won't be able to put it down and you're going to find a correlation to something in your life that you've gone through. But for me, um, that the phone call, you know, um, I got a phone call from a satellite phone and I, I have to tell you, I feared the knock on the door. I was never prepared for a phone call. And so when I got one from the satellite phone, it well, first from the officer in my brother's unit, um, I was driving. My brother had given them my cell phone number and at, for my next, the next of kin information. And so I had to pull the car over to the side of the road. And I remember the words, you know, are you the sister of, Specialist James Smith, and um, I don't remember a lot after that. I almost didn't answer the call because I had one of those flip phones with the little window on the front, and you could see the the number coming through, and it had mm -hmm. a plus sign and some extra digits. And I thought, oh, it, it's probably a telemarketer. Um, but I was blessed because my my brother was cognitive and he had regained consciousness and. 
um, he took the, he, they gave him the phone and he was able to tell me that he had gotten, he said he got hit. Um, what had really happened to him is what happened to Matthew. My brother drove over an IED. Um, I'm, I'm ex- eternally grateful for that phone call and that I didn't get a knock at my door. <clears throat> well, there- I think that that's something we all, all three of us have very much in common is the knock on the door. I used to say um, when I would do readings of, of letters home and I would be watching everybody packing up and getting ready to leave wherever we were, the library or wherever it was. And then I would ask them to stop and think about what they were doing and look at what they were doing. And I would say to them, you know, so you're all packing up and going home and thinking about buying milk or whatever, just getting home, putting your pajamas on. And here's what I'm thinking about. When I make the right turn onto my street, I wonder if somebody's going to be waiting for me to tell me my son won't come home. And there was never deployment, never one day of his deployment that that thought didn't cross my mind, if not once, many times a day. The hardest part for me was that um, there was a four-day period after a very large bombing, the largest um, attack on U.S. troops on their own base um, at, up until that point. Um, it was in Mosul when a suicide bomber detonated himself in a mess hall where my brother's unit had been having lunch. And so it was four days before all the families were notified of those who were killed and wounded. And that was um, right, right before Christmas, so December 21st through, the, through Christmas Eve. And that's the time of year when FedEx and UPS, they, they don't have enough trucks, so they rent vans, you know, plain white vans. And I can remember just seeing those vans and losing my breath because I was so afraid it was the Army, you know, and I would look and see, do they have on a uniform? Such a difficult time. Yeah, that is. But look at um, in so many ways how triumphant you guys both are today. And so are your veterans. They're, they're doing really well today through a lot, of, a lot of effort on their part and your part. And I think that's one of the things that I like so much about you, your book, Marjorie, is you shared everything with us. You shared um, that, those hard moments and, then, and the good moments and, you know, the sense that there's still you know, more to come, whatever that may be. When, you know, sometimes I'm always curious about book writers, right? Because I love to write myself. And um, what, how long did it take you to write the book? Oh, my goodness. Home, over a year. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it, I'm not really a writer. It, it took a lot for me. I started journaling mm-hmm. because Jennifer McIndy <gasps> <laughs> had spoke at the very first caregiver retreat Um, I went to, and I took away from that, and I came home, and I started journaling, and that's where it began. I'm going to cry. I'm actually crying, (laughs) physically crying right now. (laughs) (laughs) And it was therapeutic for me to journal, and then for me to start writing the book, and when I started, you know, really getting into chapters and sharing things, and it was therapeutic again. (laughs) So... To be honest, this book was kind of therapy for me to kind of get that out and um, share it with people. So I'm hopeful to um, touch other people with my book. It's such a unique form of prolonged exposure therapy, if we're going to use a clinical term, 
but but truly getting things out and I and I did talk about this at that caregiver retreat but writing it down and my grandma taught me to journal when I was um, a preteen but it helps you make sense of it all to put it on paper even if nobody ever reads it but I know everyone needs to read this because you don't just talk about what happened to Matthew and how difficult that was and Matthew's struggle with post-traumatic stress and, and how that caused has changed your life. But you also talk about um, struggles within your, uh, with your family, with other family members and their struggles that many people go through. Yes. Yep. And we definitely had a long journey. Um, kind of seemed like since my husband's injury, it kind of just kept following <laughs> for <laughs> several years. Um, but through it all, I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about my family and um, it shaped me into the person I am today. And I continue to grow. Well, I love that. And you, you touch base on, um, on work for yourself and, you know, yep. the ups and downs of your career. So like Jennifer, we don't want to give it all away. We want you to read uh, Marjorie's story, um, but because it's important as caregivers, it's important that um, we continue to fulfill other parts of our life. It's one of the aspects of caregiving that we talk about, like under the umbrella of self-care, but we don't really dissect it. And self-care can, can be uh, pretty deep and pretty meaningful, such as being able to work. And, and you, you did a good job being able to work from home and things like that. And you share a lot about that in the book, which is, I think is really wonderful for people to hear. Sort of like if there's a will, there's a way. Yes, absolutely. You have to have purpose for yourself and your own identity. I think we sometimes, you know, get so absorbed into our care recipients um, and making sure that we're, you know, taking care of them, that they're happy. Um, And, you know, our everyday essentials, making sure bills are paid and all that, we can't lose sight of our own identity and what we want. Um, I think that's really important for us to have, you know, purpose and something we can achieve, whether it's school, work, volunteering, um, whatever the case may be, always have something for yourself because you always want to keep your identity too. Wow. That's, that's definitely some good wisdom right there. Right, Jen? It's, I've, it took me a long time to get on track with that, Marjorie, and it takes me a lot of practice. Yesterday, I, I've been feeling really burned out, and, and, and I've been experiencing some depression lately, which uh, Mary and I talked about in our last episode of Sarcasm Sisters. And so I started to feel a little bit better over the weekend, and yesterday morning, I said to Mary, I, I think I'm thinking about going to the beach today. I had the day off, and she said, just then go. If you're thinking about it, then just go. And I could hear Mary in my mind saying that. And so I went. And for me, just carving out a couple of hours to enjoy nature, to get my, my thoughts together, um, have a little nap, I have, that is part of my identity, that alone, quiet solace. And whatever it is for our listeners, whether you're a caregiver or not, personal identity is critical to your mental health and stability. Right, and you did that as well, Jennifer, in your career. You had a few years where um, James was really total care, and your career was on the back burner. 
and and you kind of had to climb out of that rabbit hole to get to where you are today, having a career that is, you know, fully invested in your efforts and what you put forth. I was just thinking about that earlier. I My career was in marketing and advertising and public relations. Um, and so I had a, a career in communications and then I had a career in caregiving. I gave that up to take care of my brother, to, to take care of my family, because you can't, I couldn't do all three. And I always say this caregiving is the best job. I hope no one else ever has because it's changes your life. But when it was time for that job to, for that full-time job to end, because my brother was stable and we had other structures of support, um, it took me a few years, just like you sort of said, of climbing and clawing out of it to get back to being in communications, to building myself professionally, um, working on my identity and my own professional goals. And I think I see that in Marjorie. You know, I met Marjorie, my brother and I met Marjorie and her husband in 2014. It was in um, June of 2014. My son was at um, MCRD. He was at the San Diego boot camp of the Marine Corps. And we met them in, um, in San Diego. We were literally across the bay from my son at a conference for, um, veterans. And I went with my, to my brother to support him. And Matthew was such a support for him. And I could see his wife doing all these other things, volunteering and supporting other families. And I can remember thinking, man, she has got it all together. I don't know. I'm a mess. I'm a complete disaster. And he, and she's just doing this so seamlessly. And what a, what a motivator that was for me, Marjorie, to just spend time with, with your husband and to see you doing all these things and making other people comfortable. It just really speaks to who you are as, as a person. Well, thank you, Jen. And I think helping people, whether whatever it is, even helping animals, because I like helping animals. I'm quite the fur baby um, addict here. It gives makes me feel good. You know, I think it gives you that endorphin, you know, um, lifts you up. Now, Mary, you're in a little bit of a different situation, and we may have listeners who are caregivers, and they have experienced this, but but your caregiving career is a long-term one. Yes. I've been a caregiver for 25 and a half years. So that's a pretty long time. I was uh, 32 years old when Tom got sick. He had encephalitis and then was permanently and totally disabled from, um, from work at that point. So it was the early 90s. And, but I did a lot of what um, we both have are speaking to. I, and I had to. I had to provide for us. It was, it was quite a battle. Um, there's, there were lots of battles along the way, not just in, for Tom and understanding what happened, but we almost lost our home. And there were a lot of financial difficulties. And I, had, I was really I was woefully unprepared is a good way to put that. And, um, and I'm, I'm writing a caregiver book as well, my journey of caregiving, just because for no other reason than just for people to hopefully relate to it and think, hopefully feel a little inspired that they can do it too, regardless of what's thrown at them. 
Um, you just have to work your way through it. So I was a civilian caregiver to Tom. And then in 2010, he was diagnosed with ALS and, so, and service connected. So then I shifted over to the veteran space as well and kind of straddled both for a while. Um, and now, and now it's more ALS than anything else because that's the most demanding of the disabilities that he has right now. But it certainly was a change being in the caregiver space. Let me just say that. <laughs> <laughs> what what I hope that people listening take away from this is that we have the three of us have very different backgrounds, different relation relationship types here. Your spouses and I'm a sibling, um, and different conditions somewhat. But we we can make it. We we can have personal goals and achieve them. We can take care of ourselves. Sometimes we need an accountability partner, which, Mary, you're an amazing accountability partner for me. Um, and you're also a great example. Yoga is your, um, is your must-have. You, you have made that a, a priority in your life because it helps give you balance and de-stresses you. And that's a great example for all of us. Right. Well, I, I recently um, left my job. So I'm going to, I'm older than uh, both of you ladies. And um, it was, it was time for me to stop working. I had great working remote opportunities. So I worked from home since 2012 and it was good. I like it. Um, but as the disease progresses for us um, with working at home and the progression of the disease, it becomes super isolating because it's hard to get them out. But then the hours that I could get out, I was working. And so I, there has to be that balance. And, and I was losing the balance in my life. So then, and so yoga kind of replaced that. I've adopted yoga as my non-negotiable. Every appointment I make is after yoga. <laughs> it's really important to me to build core strength for my body at my age. Um, I used to work out a lot. And then I had a lot of a lot of probably stress-related health conditions that kind of got in the way. And um, you end up doing a lot of sitting when you're working remotely. So it's, so it's a challenge, but I, I don't have the mobility that you guys do, you know, like that you can travel and get out and I'm the only driver and blah, blah, blah. The list goes on and on of all the problems with ALS. So by leaving work, I freed that up. I have a lot of creative energy. Um, so things, I'll do some things in the future, but just a little bit different space. But I feel like I had a very good career, despite all the caregiving challenges I had and the family issues, you know, how it affected our family. I feel like I had a great career. I obtained, you know, a half a million degrees over that period of time. It feels like, <laughs> oh, so I think, so I think it was good. Like I, I cheer the caregivers on, like I, I really can't wait to see where you both go in your careers. I hope you write another book, Marjorie. Do you have another, do you have plans to write another book? Actually, yes. Uh, Matthew and I are going to write a sequel to this, but it's going to be Matthew's perspective and I'll chime in on certain chapters. Um, so we're working on that right now. Oh, I'm excited about that. What is it? Did you just start it? Like, when can we expect that? It says the excited reader. Oh, I would say probably next year. Um, we just started on this. Um, it'll take us a little bit. So hopefully next year we'll be able to release it. Okay, good. I'm looking forward to that. Do you have any, um, where, where, you know, are you speaking anywhere? Do you have any engagements for book signing or? 
Uh, yes, I just actually booked here in Bangor, Maine, uh, the Hilton Garden. I have my first reading. Mm-hmm. Really excited about that. Um, New Church Live, they've invited me down in September to speak. Um, so that's really exciting. Well, so please share those dates and times for any that are open um, on this Caregiver Life Facebook page because I know our followers would okay. love to join you if they are in the area. And we, of course, want to follow see follow-up with pictures and hear how it went. Absolutely. I would love to do that. And I can't wait for your book to come out, Mary. That's amazing. Well, it's going to be a year or two. <laughs> well, I can't wait because I think your first, I would really like to read that. Um, you juggle quite a bit in a very unique um, situation. And I think people really need to kind of hear that and get that perspective. Um, and Jennifer, I'm going to be reading your book too. <laughs> I've been working on, um, uh, caregiver for life, which is, is the follow-up to friends for life because the book that I wrote with Patty was, was just about the year that our, our boys, her son was the medic in my brother's unit. So it was just the, the year that they were deployed to Mosul. And so, um, I've been working on this, um, caregiver for life, um, for a while it's, um, almost done really close and it really I hope will help others who read it um, learn about the challenges that caregivers face when they're ready to take their life back and get back to work for those who are able Um, and I hope it is inspirational for every caregiver out there who says you know I I can't possibly do anything but this because you can it isn't easy but you can set your own personal goals you can have professional goals and and achieve everything that you want to achieve for yourself you may have to adjust your thinking you may have to change um the location the logistics may be difficult but you you can do it absolutely yeah and there's there's a lot of support out there today i didn't know any caregiver when i was Tom's caregiver in the 1990s and the early 2000s and and in fact you know going to war clouded any caregiver thoughts that I might I just but but by then we were sort of on a routine and a schedule thankfully well, watching the war was kind of kind of really took the breath out of me at times but um but I, I didn't really know any caregivers so I didn't really I didn't even call myself a caregiver for I don't know a really long time like 2013 or something ridiculous <laughs> that's, I didn't feel like that's what you do you know yeah, other people called me a caregiver before I called myself a caregiver. Um, I a lot of people called me next of kin, and a lot of people called me <laughs> sister. And um, some providers referred to me as guardian or POA, and um, that was fine with me. It wasn't until 2011 when I um, when the caregiver program through the through VA Health. Um, rolled out and and I became one of the um, actual first 200 enrolled caregivers in that program um, that I I actually owned the term caregiver and they sent me a an ID card for my wallet and it was this is kind of the funniest part and I really related to to a chapter in your book uh, Marjorie about how the government isn't always there for you Um, the the card that they sent me was on an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper that came out of a copy machine. (laughs) (laughs) 
I just recently threw it in the garbage because that's what it is. It's I don't need a I don't need a copied just uh, fake ID card to say that I'm a caregiver. I know that I am and I know I'm one for life. So Exactly. That's funny, Jen. <laughs> you could have kept it. Or did you take you should did you take a photo of it? You could put it in your book. <laughs> I I think I still have actually they didn't even mail it to me. I believe it came in an email and I think I still have the email. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty funny. It's yeah. Well, well I know I think there's a lot of support out there for caregivers. So we have our, our um Facebook page, This Caregiver Life. And Marjorie, do you have a Facebook page for your book? Uh, I don't have one for the book yet. However, I do have a public page um, where I share um, certain events and things that are going on with my book, which is uh, my handles at mpen on Facebook. Um, so you should be able to find me. Okay, if at- you send that to me, I'll, we'll share it on our This Caregiver Life page as well. Okay. So that we can, um, I've just encouraged other military veteran care network is really great at sharing out our information that we post there. They share our podcast as well, which is great. So if you're in the military veteran care network, um, support group, we shout out to you, all of you and to Melissa Johnson for sharing our podcast. She's, uh, she's one of our fans. Um, and we, we appreciate that. Um, share it out with, I spent some time talking to uh, Roxana Delgado this morning with TBI Warrior Foundation, and she's, she will share on our podcast as well. So, so with all that information, we get people back to this caregiver life. We can loop in your information, and you just never know what somebody needs. That something we said today that affects them in a positive way that helps them move forward or... Um, just makes them feel less alone. And that's one of the reasons why Jen and I do this caregiver life. We like to think that we're unfiltered, that we don't, we don't have the Hollywood version of caregiving going on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I would love, I I love to sort of make, make it known that there's nothing Hollywood about my life. (laughs) Um, Occasionally we, you know, we get to do, some interesting things because of our affiliations with organizations like the Elizabeth Dole Foundation or Wounded Warrior Project, but but ninety nine point ninety nine percent of the time we're just regular people living in regular neighborhoods, and I know our listeners can relate because there are caregivers taking care of a care recipient in every neighborhood, in every town, in every part of this country. Yep. And even our podcast, This Caregiver Life, we do it for free. It's on Anchor, which is a free download. We do our own editing. <laughs> <laughs> We're a two-woman shop here doing our own thing. We don't have any big production thing. And that's really what a lot of us do with our caregiving. And I think that was my big takeaway from your book, Marjorie, is why well, two of them, how faith carried you through and will continue to carry you through even in your darkest moments. And even at, and at your best moments, you felt your faith um, where it needed to be for you. And um, you know, that the work continues for you, you know, there's the nitty gritty work and then there's the good stuff. And um, you're just, you're going to keep trucking on doing, doing what you do, taking care of Matthew and taking care of yourself and helping other caregivers. 
Yes, absolutely. And I really appreciate you guys having me um, today. And I love your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I want to thank you both for what you do with your veterans and um, everything that you do in our community, because you guys are leaders in our community. And I know a lot of um, our peers look up to you guys. Um, All good stuff that I hear. So, so you know that. (laughs) That's nice to hear. We appreciate that. And and you are too, Marjorie. I really appreciate that you wrote your book and that you shared with us um, on this podcast and in writing your book. And I really look forward to the next book. And if anytime you want to come back on, um, I think we're, we're happy to have you. I think we're going to end season one with your episode, episode 10. And take a little break for July and kind of regroup and see what we're going to plan out for the next season. I have a lot of, um, I'm going to get my grandson on Sunday. He lives in Idaho, so it's quite a journey. <laughs> I fly there, and then we then we have a sleepover in the hotel, and he's not quite six yet. And then we fly back here to Wilmington, and we play at the beach for six days. And then I have some other things going on. So July's kind of busy, so I think we'll, we'll wrap it up with this episode. So how cool is that? That's awesome. We're like closing out with our big star. Yeah, we are. Our book writer here. Our published book writer, author here. Author, yes, so- advocate, speaker. There's, I mean, what is there that Marjorie can't do? Yep. And if any of our listeners have questions for us or questions for Marjorie, feel free to send us a message. Follow us on this Caregiver Life Facebook page. You can send us audio messages, right, Jen? We love that, and we'd love to play those on air when we come back for season two in August. I think I think um, Bev Poyer should do that. Yeah, I just called her out on this. I would like to see <laughs> Bev Poyer send us we an love audio you, message because we've just never received one on this caregiver life, and I think she's the one to do it. I agree. Okay, we're gonna. I'm gonna tag her in this post. Yeah, and so to do that, you just visit anchor.fm slash this caregiver life and you can, um, or through the Spotify app, and then you can send us the, uh, it's basically a voicemail. Okay, cool. All right, well, this season is a wrap. Thanks for being our, our last and, and one of our fantastic interviews on this caregiver life. Oh, well, thank you guys, and congratulations on your 10th episode. Okay, talk to you later. All right, bye, guys. Bye-bye.